Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Sports to the max. Steve Thompson in for Mike Max. Max, he was in earlier. You can check out all the shows on the free Odyssey app. Use the rewind feature. And we got a great show lined up for you tonight. A lot of golf on the program tonight. And uh, we'll talk some NBA and Timberwolves. Jace Frederick a little bit later on in the hour. Then at about 835, we'll talk NASCAR with Reed Spencer, uh, my good buddy, from NASCAR Wire Service, they were at Gateway outside of St. Louis. Put on quite a show. A lot of folks were angry after that one. Right now, speaking of golf, we are going to Chad Golf. And uh, collegiate golfer Cecil Blyle from Red Wing joins us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. And uh, Cecil, another great year playing junior college golf and uh rewarded with the Jack Nicholas Award. You got to meet Jack. You went to Dublin, Ohio. You were at the Memorial. Wow, Cecil, you're really on a roll. That's cool. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. But, yeah, it was uh, it was a lot of fun meeting Mr. Nicholas. We were told to call him Mr. Nicholas for respect. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but, yeah, it was, a lot, it was a lot of fun. Now, uh, you uh, won another championship. Your team won the championship down at South Mountain in Arizona. A second year in a row, you won uh, the National Junior College Athletic Association Division II Championship. So you had another great year down in Arizona. Yeah, it was a good year. Uh, This year was more of a hard-fought year. It honestly didn't feel like it was a great year, but it was capped off with a great ending. So, yeah, we we, we put some good golf in there with a tough year. Once again, uh, Cecil Belisle joining us from Red Wing, uh, state champion in high school golf, and then uh, went down to Arizona. And, and as I pointed out, you're making the jump, I understand, to Kansas next fall. I am making the jump to Kansas University, yep. Yeah, and congrats on that. Uh, we'll, we'll talk more about uh, your move to the to Big 12 and Big 12 golf and uh, some big-time players uh, in that conference for sure. But l- let's talk about, number one, your year at South Mountain. You had already made your commitment to Kansas. Uh, you-, you had your ups and downs, but-, but you got to the championship, and you played really great over four days. And I should tell folks, during the week, during the day, I work with your uncle, uh, Matt, and he keeps me up to date on everything you're doing, Cecil. So uh, he- a pipeline of info and uh, – but you ultimately get to the championship, I understand, down in Indiana, and, and you played really solid golf all week. Yeah, uh, we actually played in Joplin, Missouri this year. Last oh, year Missouri, in that's right. But, yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was, uh, it, was, it was a pretty good four days. I wouldn't say it was my A game, that's for sure, but it was a, it was a smart – I played smart for four days, and I think that's why I had won the championship, so – 
Yeah, and then your team was able to win the championship. Now, when did you find out that you won the Nicholas Award and you were going to be going to the Memorial in Dublin and meeting Jack himself? I found out um, two weeks ago. Wow. Like Wednesday, Wednesday after I got home. I think it was two days after I got home from Arizona. I got home on Monday two weeks ago. And then Wednesday I found out uh, from the Golf Coaches Association that I was going to be uh, receiving the Jack Nicholas Award and meeting Jack Nicholas. Yeah, it's given out uh, NGCAA, NIA, Division Three, Division Two, II, Division One golfers, and they were all there. And, and I got to see some of the photos, and those were great. So they, they flew you in, put you up, you got to go to the tournament, and then obviously meet Jack. H- how did that all play out? Um, yeah, I got there Saturday around like 1 o'clock and went out and watched the tournament for Saturday and then all the uh, um, inductees to the Jack Nicholas Award and I had uh, supper that night and then the next morning we uh, went to a memorial and we were all dressed up and then we got to go watch a little bit or kind of roam around until 9.45 and then Jack arrived at 10 and we had our ceremony, and he uh, gave us our uh, trophies, and we got to meet him, ask him some questions, and the reporters asked us some questions. And but then after, it was kind of funny. A lot of the reporters stayed around to ask Jack some questions, so that was funny. Yeah. So, what's that like? I mean, you're you're meeting a legend. You know, you know. There's this argument right now. You know, it's the greatest of all time, Jack or or Tiger. I mean. You know, however you fall on that, I mean, this is still a legend, not only of the game, but of mm-hmm. sport, period. What's that like? Um, You know, I wasn't as nervous as I thought, because I think <laughs> okay. I just kept telling myself, I mean, like, he's a person. Like, he did a lot of great things in the game of golf, and I'm very grateful for what he's done, because he's helped change the game, and he's done a lot for the game and the world and the people that follow the game. But you just have to kind of look at him as, hey, he's a person like me. Like he's got, he's got hair, he's got eyes. Like he does. <laughs> like he's a he's another person, and I think that's what helped me embrace the moment and just really realize, like, hey, treat him like another person, but like give him the same respect you'd give someone else, but have fun with him because you know he's done a lot for you and a lot for the game. Yeah, but it was it was a lot of fun meeting Jack and or Mr. Nicholas, and talking to him. Yeah, so, so I mean, are there are a lot of handlers. I know you, you mentioned at the top you were told to, to call him Mr. Nicholas and that sort of stuff. I mean, um, you, you get to spend time, and then after that you watch a little golf, and then you fly home and get on with your summer, right? Yep, yep. Yeah. Well, yep. Cecil Belisle joining us from Red Wing, uh, one-time state golf champion, uh, now two-time defending NGCAA champion and a winner of the Nicholas Award. Got that over the weekend in Dublin, Ohio. So now you're back home getting ready to go to Kansas to start the next phase of your collegiate golf career. But what's ahead this summer? Because I know you like to play a lot of events when you're at home. Um. Yeah, I mean, right now I'm not really busy with tournaments. Right now it's preparation and practice and work as much as I can, cutting cups on the grounds crew here at Redwing Golf Course. But um, uh, I'll have 
I'll have five tournaments and one qualifier, or else you can say uh, six tournaments. But, um, yeah, I got uh, the Players' Championship is my first one, and then I have the U.S. – no, I have the – I think it's the State Open, and then it's the USAM qualifier, State Am Resorters, and then hopefully the USAM at the end there. And then I head off to Kansas. Yeah, when do you need to be – I got a full – or go ahead, say. Yeah, I was going to say, when do, when do you need, be, need to be down in Lawrence? I will need to be in Lawrence in August. I would guess I would guess it would be like, if I made this USAM, it would be right after the USAM. He'd want me back in, uh, well, head to Lawrence, Kansas. Yeah, and, you know, you, you, you played at South Mountain, a renowned program in junior college. Now you go to Kansas, and there, there's some, big-time players on tour that, that have come out of that conference. I mean, week in and week out, you're going to be playing against some great players. You've you got to be thrilled with that opportunity. Yeah, it'll be a good comp- competition at the end, and it'll be a good competition within myself to work even harder than I did this year. And I thought I was a good hard worker this year, and now I get to step up my game when I get there with little better facilities and uh, more uh, in-depth in the working out, really knowing what our body needs versus really just getting strong. Grateful for what uh, South Mountain blessed me with and with working out and the facilities that we had with the Legacy and the Gila. But um, it's just like it, it's just like a step up in facilities with working out and practice facilities and um, money. I mean, you get a lot of free stuff, and I didn't get any free stuff at South Mountain. So everything's just kind of <laughs> stepped up. Competitions, competition's going to be stepped up, and it's just uh, it's going to be a great experience. And I'm excited for Kansas and what it's going to offer me. Well, it just uh, congrats again uh, on the award and uh, uh, another uh, championship for you. And good luck this summer. And like I say. Uh, your uncle Matt will certainly keep me up to date, and I keep an eye on on your progress. But I, I know folks who have followed high school golf here in the state of Minnesota are really uh, really rooting for you, Cecil. So good luck this summer, and good luck this fall down at Kansas. Yeah, thank you so much, Steve. Thank you for the time, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, Cecil Belial once again from Red Wing uh, received uh, the Nicholas Award and. Uh, uh, won the national championship at South Mountain, uh, was a medalist two years in a row, and uh, the team won the championship down in Joplin, Missouri, Indiana the year before Joplin, Missouri uh, this year. So pretty cool stuff. And I saw some of the photos uh, meeting Jack and getting the trophy from him. What, what an honor. Seven sixteen. Quick break. We've got a whole lot more coming up here. On Sports to the Max, Steve Thompson sitting in for Mike Max. Chris Tubbs is our producer here on News Talk, A3LWCCO. Twins and Yankees, first of three tomorrow night. We'll get on the air at 6. First pitch about 6.40 tomorrow night. Big opportunity. The Yankees are hot. First place in the East. Best record in the game. Hot lineup. Starting pitching. Lights out right now. Uh, Twins and Yanks, first to three uh, tomorrow night here on the home of the Twins. And then the Rays come to town Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So a big stretch. But 
Twins after a nightmare in Detroit, losing four out of five, take two out of three in Toronto. And that's uh, certainly a good step forward uh, for the home nine. And Louise Harais leading the big leagues in batting average, or the American League in batting average, good chance uh, to win a batting title. Um, I thought Paul Goldschmidt and, and Louise Harais are right there neck and neck. Goldschmidt having a year uh, for the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, this is quite a story, and we'll talk more Timberwolves with Jace Frederick uh, a little bit later on in the hour. And Carl uh, Anthony Towns up for potentially a super max contract. But one of the things I want to get into right now is the reaction in Denver. And uh, the Denver Nuggets executive calling the Timberwolves hiring of Tim Connolly desperate. And. <laughs> Chris Tubbs is the producer on the program. And, Ooh, they big uh, mad. Ooh, they big yeah, mad. Yeah. It, this, this is one of Stan Kroenke's kids, I believe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, so. now, quick quick story about Stan Kroenke. Um, didn't he marry into the Walmart fortune? So I th- Yes, I think he did. So it's not even like his money. It's so, not even well, like money. so he marries into the Walmart fortune ultimately takes the Rams and moves them to L.A. And and we know that whole story and uh, built SoFi Stadium and all of that. Uh, Stan, notoriously uh, bad guy. He's scrupulous. So, scrupulous. He, yeah, unscrupulous. Unscrupulous. See, that's even better. Unscrupulous. Um, so, bad deal there. And now, sour grapes out of the kid in Denver running the Nuggets because... Uh, the Timberwolves, Glenn Taylor and his new partners, Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez, said, hey, uh, we need a guy to run it. Uh, we're going to go out. We like this guy. And it is ultimately called the marketplace. Now, time will tell if it was a great decision. You know, ultimately, Tim Connolly's body of work running the Timberwolves will tell the story. But uh, well thought of, seemed to do a good job in Denver. I just get a kick out of the sour grapes act, you know, <laughs> it, especially coming from a crunky. Uh, I mean, it. yeah, listen, if I ever hear anything come out of a crunky, I instantly, <laughs> it loses credibility. It's like crunky, no, I'll, I'll pass. But I mean, there's no petty like sports petty, and I love it. Because if he if if Tim Conley was not a valued member of that organization, we wouldn't hear anything. They'd be like, "Oh, you know, we wish him best." Da 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 da. I mean, they're, they're mad. Like they legitimately lost a good front office executive, and now we got something cooking between the the Timber Chickens and the Nuggets. Yeah, it it, it and it's already been a, a pretty good rivalry, and and these teams have. Uh, have been going back and forth. But uh, apparently Stan's kid is Josh, and he is the vice chairman of Kroenke Sports and Entertainment. And they're the holding company with an ownership stake in several teams, including the Nuggets and the Avalanche. By the way, top of the show, I talked about the Avalanche. Uh, They are the odds-on favorite to win the Stanley Cup. Uh, They could eliminate Edmonton tonight and advance to the Stanley Cup final. But, yeah, I, just spare me the sour grapes. Michael Rand had a piece in the Star Tribune about it that, that kind of went into it. Uh, and and from uh, Sports Illustrated, 
Uh, they had another quote. I felt that we made a very good competitive offer that would have allowed him to feel good about staying in Denver and ultimately felt that some of the upside there on the back end through some of his bonus schemes were probably too good to pass up for his family. Yeah. You um, think? Yep. Ultimately, he got more money. And that Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez and Glenn Taylor, who's still in charge, and will hand the keys over to those two, made an offer that he, he couldn't turn down, that it was financially better than the situation in Denver. I, I don't know why this is so complicated. Well, it, it's not. That's the thing. It, it, if you want an employee and you're willing to go get said employee from another company and sure. and you can't pay them what somebody else is willing to pay them, then you can't be upset when they decide that they want to go elsewhere for more money. But, but Chris, that, that's sports. That's sports in the free agent era. So Why I, should it be any different for executives or managers or scouts or whatever? It's been that way for players. Once they reach free agency, they can go to the highest bidder. Yes. It happens all the time. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't understand. Again, to me, this just reeks. You talk about desperate. This is the cronky fella being desperate. This yeah. is what's what's the guy's name? Jeff Cronky Stan? Josh. Josh. I believe what, it's whatever. Josh. It, it doesn't yeah. even matter what his name is. It's a Cronky, so that's all you need to know. It doesn't matter what he thinks, how he feels, what he says. The fact of the matter is the Wolves wanted somebody, they went and got him. Isn't that what you do in business too? Like if you want something, you go out and you get it and you negotiate. I mean, what did, did the Wolves do something underhanded? I mean, you know, there certainly couldn't have been a handshake under the table with the Timberwolves because that's never happened before. Well, here's the thing. It's so, I, it's so hypocritical of, now, of, of now, Shonky. If, if there's a legitimate beef, it probably would have been spelled out. There would have been a grievance or, or litigation some, something. Yeah. With, with the NBA, would have taken it to the commissioner and said, hey, they're tampering with my guy, he's under contract. But apparently, um, this was done in the open, and they approached this guy, and he said, hey, you know, I, I want to move on, new opportunity, uh, new challenges, etc. And oh, by the way, uh, Taylor, Laurie, and Rodriguez are paying me a lot more money than this guy wanted to. And I think it's cover if he had a chance to match, and and we don't mm-hmm. we don't know this. Yeah. Maybe maybe Connolly went back to his boss and said, "Hey, you know they're offering me a chunk of change, and it's pretty hard to turn it down." And he's kind of like, "Talk to the old man out in L.A. No way." And now they're trying to find cover because for the fact yeah. they didn't step up and keep the guy. We're hearing one side of the story, right? I, for I, sure. I mean, he's going to sit there and play the victim. And again, the Cronky playing a victim is just hilarious. Like, yeah, I wonder how this is playing in St. Louis. I, I, I mean, I, <laughs> they're guaranteed they're sitting under the arch with you know some fine wine and some cheese, and they are just laughing it up. You know, it, it just. It's business. It's sports. It happens. You know what you do if you're the Denver Nuggets? You look and you say, you know what? We've got one of the best players in the NBA right now in Nikola Jokic. Uh, we've got Michael Porter Jr. 
Uh, we've got Jamal Murray. We can get these guys healthy. We still got a good. We've still got a good core. Let's go out and find somebody to replace him because I'm sure people are going to look at that roster and say that we've got some talent. We've got some building pieces here. I just it's it's so ridiculous that he's getting this bent out of shape. And yeah, if there was some sort of tampering, Steve, we would have heard about it. There there would have been something that would have been said uh, that would that would have come. Yeah. Up. A- a- absolutely. So that that would have gone b- before the deal was done. Yeah. That would have gone to the NBA office in New York, and and something at this level would have gone directly to the commissioner, Adam Silver. Yeah, it would have hey, been red flag. Sp- yeah. Speaking of the NBA, we'll talk finals. Uh, Jason Frederick's going to join us from the Pioneer Press. Covers the Timberwolves all season long. Get his thoughts on the final. Just an absolute bore of a game too. Golden State dominates, series tied at one. They head for the East Coast uh, of the NBA Finals, and that resumes later in the week. And then we'll talk Timberwolves, Carl Anthony Towns, Supermax contract, uh, a lot on the table uh, for for the new regime of the new boss uh, over at Target Center. So we'll get into all of that following the weather here on Sports to the Max. A news talk, E3OWCCO. I brought up batting average a little bit earlier. Luis Arise leading the way, not only in the American League, but in the Major Leagues at 358. Tim Anderson of the White Sox on his heels at 356 at the moment. J.D. Martinez of the Red Sox at 353. Then I brought up Paul Goldschmidt. He's actually fourth at 343. But uh, Goldschmidt having a monster year. Uh, for the Cardinals, but Luis rise four hits on Sunday, and he is the major league leader in batting average. How about that? NBA Finals idle. Uh, the NBA Finals uh, resume later in the week in Boston. Uh, they gained a split. Celtics rally, win game one, and then a Warriors blowout in game two. And to talk NBA, talk Timberwolves, Jace Frederick of the Pioneer Press, online at TwinCities.com. Jace, hope you're doing well. Hey, Steve, pretty good about you. Yeah, good. Uh, I I went to bed game one, didn't see the end. Uh, Celtics rally, win game one. Game two, uh, I saw the entire thing, and I wish I had gone to bed. Uh, Golden <laughs> State blowout in that one. Yeah, you know, and I think Golden State's played probably the majority of the games a little bit better than Boston. Boston did go just flaming hot in that fourth quarter, and of game one, and you're going to win games when you do that, um, when you're able to go on runs like that. But frankly, like, as maybe not too close final scores, but I still think two relatively entertaining games. You can tell that these two teams are fairly equally matched, but they are both teams, I think, that deliver punches um, that, that lead to big runs that maybe will lead to separation at certain points in the game. I think we'll get one or two classics in this one, maybe, uh, but I'm not surprised, I guess, at the way it's played out in which like each night, both teams have won convincingly, but yeah, you can see like there's not a whole lot of division between them. Yeah, so uh, we'll we'll see what happens in Boston beginning on Wednesday night. Tough start time though, eight nine o'clock East Coast start time uh, for that one. But but I get it; they're trying to make it work out on the West Coast. Uh, Golden State and Boston NBA Finals. The one thing that left me a little bit sour uh, a quarter and a half in, into Game One is at about the six-and-a-half-minute mark between the two teams, they had combined for like 36 attempted three-pointers. And I, I don't know about you. I, I know it's part of the game. Golden State you know, made their mark shooting threes, but that's a lot. 
Yeah, different teams find different ways to get it done, but I bet even both teams at that point are like, okay, can we find other ways to generate offense? I will say Boston has done a really – I mean, especially in that game one, Boston did a really nice job. They were getting the threes, but they were out of penetration. So, like, when you're driving and kicking, I mean, that's – it's not quite the same, I think, as, like, uh, maybe settling off of creation from three. I think Boston probably got a little bit too far away from driving and kicking in game two, frankly. But um, I think when you're getting those shots out of good offense, you can probably live with it. Um, and frankly, neither of these teams really has like a back to the basket post presence. So not a huge surprise, um, that if, if the paint is going to get clogged, once guys beat guys in the perimeter, you're going to kick out threes. Um, but that, it's such a big way that offense is generated in the NBA. It's not too surprising that two of the best teams do it at a high level. Focus of the league still on the finals and rightfully so, but then beyond that quickly moves into the off season and already a lot of talk about uh, what, what Tim Connolly and the, the, the Timberwolves are going to do forward. And I, the biggest decision clearly is what, what to do with Towns and this Supermax contract. Jace, maybe you can walk us through what, what the options are, but uh, Cat could make even more money. Yeah, so Carl, because he made an all-NBA team, good sign. A four-year extension that will kick in after the last two years of his deal, um, four years for roughly $211 million. And, and those contracts always build in time, um, kind of escalate from one year to the next. And by the fourth year of that deal, so it would be six years from now, he'd be making $58 million, um, which is obviously insane. Um, it's, a, it's a massive number, and yet it's a fairly safe bet that the Timberwolves will do it um, because, frankly, like anything that you sign now, which, like, before even the next NBA TV deal kicks in, well, at that point, you'd expect contracts to only get even bigger. Um, so, you know, maybe six years from now, it's like, wow, Towns is playing for $58 million. And yet that might, number might pale in comparison to what some other guys are playing for. So I certainly expect Minnesota, like, Towns is a top 20-ish player in the NBA, and, and those guys just get those max deals because you want to keep them around because they're so hard to acquire. So even with all of his... The shortcomings, the faults, um, he does bring a lot to the table. I, I don't think there's any question that Minnesota will even will offer that and really even think about doing otherwise. Yeah, and beyond that, though, there are some, some big decisions in what they do to construct a roster uh, for, for next season. And in, in your opinion, certainly in mine, is, is what about D'Angelo Russell and what do you do with him? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, there there's certainly, like, and a lot of people will point to this, hey, like, D'Angelo Russell had his bright spots during the regular season, and he's, he's definitely one of the reasons why the team was in the playoffs. Um, and that, it's tough to argue with that, um, especially early in the season. He was one of the better players, I think, on the team. Um, now, I don't think that was true in the second half of the season. The numbers certainly don't bear out that that was true either. Um, there were a lot of times where it looked like the team was better with Jordan McLaughlin on the floor than D'Angelo Russell, and that certainly bared out in the playoffs as well. So, inconsistencies, um, and I think Tim Connolly at his presser said, hey, D'Angelo is one of the best streak scorers in the NBA. But streaky scorer is often, frankly, uh, framed as a negative, um, in, in my opinion. Uh, so while it's true D'Angelo Russell can fill it up, he would do that for quarters at a time and then kind of disappear. You kind of have to decide, is that what we want from our starting point guard, or do we think we can find a better fit for somebody who maybe accentuates Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards better, um, maybe brings a little bit more consistency to the table and allows others to flourish um, that's a lot to think about because certainly, like, there's value to having D'Angelo Russell in your starting lineup uh, as your point guard. Like, he has nights where he will help win you games and almost do it single-handedly. It's just does that outweigh the negatives, um, and that's something that Connolly and company have have to think about. Yeah, and the way that series against Memphis played out, you have to wonder what the thoughts are because D'Lo was not a factor in that series. 
No, he wasn't. Um, and frankly, he was during the regular season because Memphis played a coverage that it's a drop pick and roll coverage where when D'Lo comes off the screen, the big man drops back and towards the lane. So it leaves Russell with like these open 18, 20 footers off the dribble, which is like his bread and butter. So he's going to feast off those types of looks, but Memphis paid him a little bit more attention. I wouldn't say he wasn't like the focal point of their defense, but you know, at times they would put Dylan Brooks on him, who was their best perimeter defender and even yeah. switched into like Desmond Bain. And those guys, frankly, just like putting a little bit more attention on him with adequate defenders kind of took Russell out of the series. And I know, like, Tim Connolly's a different decision maker, um, so who knows if he would do what Sachin Gupta would have done. But Chris Finch is still there, and I think Finch making the decision he made at the end of that series to go with Jordan McLaughlin kind of spoke volumes about what he thought was best for the team in that moment. And I'm sure Connolly will weigh Finch's opinion as well. Uh, and certainly Finch likes certain parts of Russell's game. But I just think the way that it ended, it would be really – it would be a curious decision, I think, to keep him around. Um, now you have to find different avenues, see if you find a trade you like. Uh, but I would be a little bit surprised, I guess, if Russell is still here come the start of next season. And then there is a cat factor. If you're going to give him the supermax money and make the commitment to Cat, I know players don't make the decisions, but Cat was instrumental in getting D'Angelo Russell here. So I, I would assume there that's a factor as well. Yeah, I mean, I don't think too much. Like, Towns has never been too heavy-handed in terms of, like, we need to do okay. this and this. I think he certainly is. Someone who more so is like, hey, I want like a good team around me, certainly. Um, and Russell, I think, was a, an injection that, that people thought this franchise kind of needed. But I don't think Towns is somebody who's going to stand in the way of doing what the front office thinks helps the team long term. So I don't think that's something that has to be looked into too much. Certainly him and Russell have a, have a relationship there. But I don't think it's like a Towns you know, starts a mutiny if D'Angelo Russell gets moved this offseason. Yeah, and, and you would think that there's got to be other options at, at point guard um, and, and potentially at, at point guard if you're going to feature Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards offensively. Yeah, for sure. And I think that that is something that I think we saw looks better in Chris Finch's offense when there is a point guard who plays with pace and moves the ball and just gets action started quickly in the shot clock. So maybe you're starting an action with 20 seconds to go in the shot clock, and now you have – uh, time to run a few more things, a few more wrinkles within an action. Um, if, if something doesn't work, you still have time to, to move into something else. And just frankly, when you play with pace, there's a little bit more, I don't know, vigor in the actions and actions work better. Um, so I, I definitely think that's something, especially late in games. Like I think that's what Chris Finch would prefer in his point guards. So I don't know if Russell and Finch is the best fit. Uh, so I, I think that probably would play some kind of part in it. Can Minnesota find somebody who maybe isn't even like, you wouldn't even say they're as good of a player as D'Angelo Russell but they just fit what Minnesota wants to do a little bit better long-term. I think that's possible. Yeah, and then uh, beyond that, uh, still, we've been hearing this for a while, veteran physicality, uh, more of a physical presence inside. Where, where, where does that fit on your list? In my sense, it's it's still a big deal for this team. Yeah, and I don't know, as though I don't think it's something where you need, like, a player who's going to come in and play 30 minutes and bring that. I do think that just even having like that adequate option, maybe as a backup center, like Nas Reed has done a lot of good things, but he's very matchup dependent. I think if you can get a veteran big who, especially in certain matchups where maybe you might get beat up on the boards a little bit, uh, somebody who is, you know, is big, strong, has like, has shown a capability to stand his own against even some of the bigger, more physical centers. Um, somebody who can step in, take some pressure off towns in that respect focus a little bit more on the glass, uh, you know, and maybe they play usually 
15 minutes a night, but then on a given matchup, they had to play 22 to 24, um, just to kind of negate what sometimes are clearly a disadvantage for Minnesota. If they can just mitigate that to some degree, um, I think that's what you need. But I don't think that has to be a player that you pay a lot of money to, and I don't think it has to be something that you address at like the top of your board in the offseason. But I do think it's something that they could utilize um, that should be added. But I just don't think it'll take like a high priority to add that. Yeah, and it, it's one of those things where bringing in Tim Connolly and uh, assessing the situation, I mean, there's a ton of familiarity. Um, it, it, it's not like there's a steep learning curve or anything. I, I would assume that uh, the, the Timberwolves are going to move pretty quickly on some of these decisions. Yeah, I think just in the regular window of, of things, um, you know, now, now, certainly draft night comes up here in just in just a few weeks, and that can kind of be right around then. can certainly be like a trade type of thing. You know, like if there is like a D'Angelo Russell trade or something, well, maybe to take on that salary, if the Wolves were somehow able to take less salary back, now I don't know if that would be the case. There's not a lot of teams with the cap space to do so. But maybe if somebody is taking on more D'Angelo Russell salary, you're giving up your first-round pick to do so. Um, you know, there are things like that, or they're packaging a couple seconds to sweeten the pot on a deal. Uh I don't know if I'd advise that. I don't know if that's what Minnesota would do, but those are all just things that kind of happen around around the, the draft, and then shortly after the draft, about a week later, you get into free agency. So we're definitely just a few weeks away here from some moves really taking place, and I'm sure that Tim Connolly has been already thinking, talking to people, and, and thinking these things through of what exactly he wants to do and, and, and laying out kind of a roadmap for this offseason. He said himself at his press conference, um, you know, he didn't have it all like master plan mapped out. Um, any degree i'm sure he planned on talking with the people here getting their interpretations of players seeing how that kind of aligns with his general thoughts on people and and then you kind of make your roadmap and say okay here we go because you know two three weeks from now that's when the action starts up and you kind of have to know what you want to do or at least have a game plan then i mean i'm sure he will yeah jay it's always good to visit with you take care all right thanks so much Steve. appreciate it all right, there he is, Jace Frederick, covers Timberwolves for the Pioneer Press, online at TwinCities.com, joining us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. Quick break, we'll come back. Uh, still a lot to get into in the world of sports. Uh, quick preview of the Stanley Cup Conference Finals. Uh, Colorado in the driver's seat. More on that in a moment here on News Talk. E3OWCCO. Oilers in trouble. Colorado leading Edmonton 1-0 after one. Avalanche up three games to none on the brink of heading to the Stanley Cup final. And I I don't know about you, Chris, but I know Wild fans are still bummed the way it transpired against the Blues in the first round, but Mm -hmm. nobody in the Western Conference beating the Colorado Avalanche. No, we knew probably about halfway through this season that the Avalanche were... Heads and shoulders above everybody in the Western Conference. I I think that Wild fans were just upset that they felt that maybe they should have gotten past the Blues, and and you could make the argument that you know maybe they should have if Dean Evason would have made some changes. Or but but at the end of the day, you're just delaying the inevitable. I think the Wild overachieved this year. It was a fun story. Sure. Uh, they're going to have some lean times over the next couple of years because. You know, Bill Guerin, they're going to have to deal with the salary cap issues that, you know, just ripping the Band-Aid off of Ryan Suter and Zach Parisi. You know, that's going to leave a little bit of a mark, as Chris Farley would say. But at the end of the day, yeah, it is Colorado's world, and we are just living in it right now, good, bad, or otherwise. Yeah, 
I mean, they they just dominated uh, the Oilers so far in this series. One uh, one zero after uh, one period of play in Edmonton. So uh, certainly not a blowout after 20 minutes in that one. But Colorado up three games to none. Uh, meanwhile, the Rangers lead Tampa Bay two to one. That series resumes tomorrow night down in Tampa. Uh, the home team has won all the games in. And and think about this here, Steve, when we're talking about the NHL and we're talking about, you know, going into the Stanley Cup that you've got the Tampa Bay Lightning, maybe the measuring stick in the NHL over the last five years or so. Oh, for sure. And and you're looking at them saying that, okay, they're down to the Rangers. Even if Tampa Bay gets to the Stanley Cup finals this year, they're still going to be an underdog. How many times can you say that about the Lightning, that they're going to go into a series if they can get by the Rangers, mind you? This is strictly hypothetical. That's just how good Colorado is this year. Like, they and Nathan McKinnon is just on a whole nother level. Whole other level. Yeah, they are a deep team, and they have certainly dominated the Oilers. By the way, Kane's hit in Game 3. I, I just want one quick comment. I don't know. Check out the video. He could have killed that guy in that situation. And I, he got suspended for a game. I just don't know how the NHL continues to hand out suspensions of a game. He should have been kicked out of the rest of the playoffs. Like I say, he could have paralyzed or killed that guy in that situation. Um, the NHL's got to clean that up. We've got all the news, all the weather coming up at 8. Then golf writer Ron Syrak. We'll talk Phil. We'll talk U.S. Women's Open on the way here on News Talk. E3-O-W-C-C-O. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.